it doesn't mean that you'll pop into enlightenment. In fact, I'd, I'd recommend you forget all about enlightenment and just like play with discovering like the container of all of this experience of your life is your own awareness. What is that? Who are you in that? Hello and welcome to the Mind Detox Podcast. I'm your host, Sandy Newbigging. For today's episode, I'm sharing an interview from one of my recent online club meetings, which you can join at minddetox.club. I talked to my good friend, Narayan, who taught me to meditate way back in 2007. I asked him 10 of the most common questions that I'm asked about meditation, including how to make meditation more enjoyable, how to maintain a daily practice, how to let go of thoughts, is meditation selfish, and more. Stay tuned to learn what his greatest discovery is from over 20 years of meditating and what he has to say about spirituality, consciousness, and awakening. So hello and welcome to this chit chat uh, with the wonderful Narayan. Hello Narayan. I didn't know there was another Narayan. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, how are you? It's so nice to see you again. Hi everybody. Oh, we've been friends for uh, over a decade um, and you were my original teacher of meditation and so with the theme inside my club this month being meditation, I, I'm so delighted that after the last uh, few uh, field attempts of getting you, um, you you managed to our schedules managed to line up and you could turn up for this one which seems like the perfect one uh, meditation so thank you uh thanks for inviting me and I, yeah i mean apologies aren't necessary but apologies for the <laughs> the way it played out up until now but you're right this will be great i'm so i've been so looking forward to this so i'm going to keep it simple and then we'll get more complex later uh, if uh, it's allowed um, so I'd like to start with a classic question of when and why did you start meditating, Narayan? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a different, well, I'll tell you, I've been meditating almost all my life. I, I started when I was a little boy, when I was about probably seven or eight years old. Um, and that's just a number that I throw in it. It might have even been a bit younger than that. But um, like when I was really little, I used to I used to lay in bed and I used to listen to the sound of quiet because I didn't like the dark. I didn't like being in the dark so much, but I used to listen to the sound of quiet. And as I did that, it became immensely peaceful. And some other things occurred as well. And so I, almost every night for years, I used to just lay there and listen to the sound of silence as a little boy. Um, and then more formal practices of meditation came. Like I found a, a book on meditation when I was probably eight or nine years old. And uh, and so it was a visual meditation, but I loved it. I thought it was amazing and one of the teachers in school taught body scanning, so I did that a lot. But I learned the practice that I do now, Ascension, I learned that in 1998, I think. Yeah. Over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did you learn that then? Why? Why did you learn meditation then? I mean, you would obviously been playing with it for a number of years, but something took you to the next level where you've been meditating every day since then essentially so what what was the what was your motivation yeah I mean I knew like a lot of people I knew that I 
I had to find some sort of peace. That was really what was driving me. I wanted to know what it meant, what it really experientially meant to be free. And I knew my whole life, I knew that that required um, kind of turn, being able to turn my awareness inward to, to meditation. I knew it involved meditation. And so I looked for a lot of things, but most of the things that I did didn't really bring me anywhere close to what I was looking for, you know. In fact, some some of them made the gap feel a lot bigger. But when I heard about the practice of ascension, I knew this was different. And so it landed on almost literally on my doorstep. It, it came to me really powerfully. And so, and from that moment, I never looked back. I, as you said, I've done it every single day. You just throw in that word of wanting to know what it's like to be free from an experiential perspective. You use the word free. What does that even mean? Like, why, why, would, you, why would you want to be free? because uh, that's a good great question and you know to me I may not have known and I may not know what freedom means but I do know what it means to be constrained (laughs) to feel restricted and what I wanted to do was to become unrestricted unrestrained somehow so but the word I would have put on it was freedom or enlightenment it would have changed over the years as my context changed but what I wanted was to not be constrained anymore not be held back really and so are you saying at that point you did feel that way? You did feel some level of restraint and held back? Yeah, def- most definitely in a big way. How did it show up for you? I know it's hard to remember back there, but how did feeling restricted show up for you? It was, it was a constant kind of sense of, of unease, a constant, st- a constant sense of unease that was playing. You know, I had a pretty good life, you know, like most people from the outside. When, when you look at people's lives, it seems pretty good, but for the most part, but internally I felt a constant kind of disease really. I wasn't okay with myself. I wasn't okay with the world. I wasn't okay with anything. And I knew there was more to be experienced, but I couldn't find it anywhere, which only led to it feeling, like I said earlier, like a greater gulf really. I've seen the photographs. So did you turn to things like rock and roll and playing in a band and maybe drugs and stuff? Did you do any of that kind of stuff trying to, find that or ease that unease maybe it's my mom on this call <laughs> this has been recorded <laughs> i may have dabbled i'll, I'll leave that one alone uh, but what i what we are indicating is sometimes we can turn to certain vices right yeah yeah and then not even vices like basically everything that i was doing was trying to get some sense of self-worth from outside of me you know all of it was trying to so it doesn't have to be something radical or extreme although you know for a lot of us that's the way it was but we're all doing it you just say trying to get self-worth from outside myself what does that mean like value trying to trying to find my sense of okayness in the things that i was doing you know and it's a in, or the things that I was experiencing and, and the way that people perceived me, that was all, you know, that was all my way of trying to find a moment of being okay. Mm. I was just pulling, trying to peel back the layers a little bit because sometimes I know from the community I've been around that they can look at Narayan and put him on a bit of a pedestal and, and go, it's, like, it's almost like you were always the way you are today, but that, that's not necessarily the case. There was a reason why you got into this. It wasn't so easy the whole time. No, it wasn't. No, it was life was not easy at all. Mm. Life yeah, itself not, wasn't wasn't hard, but I wasn't making it easy at all. 
Interesting. Okay. Well, with the motivation to meditate discussed, um, let's get into some classic questions about meditation. So what, what would your advice be to someone that wants to make meditation more enjoyable? Forget about it being enjoyable. Absolutely forget about it being enjoyable. You know, the idea that it's supposed to be enjoyable is one of the blockages to just getting on and doing it. How many of you do go to the gym or do exercise or do yoga? Is that enjoyable every day? No, it isn't. But you remember why you do it and you just do it anyway. So, no, just forget about it being enjoyable. It's, it sets you on a path of, of you're setting yourself up for failure if that's the, if that's the approach. Why? It doesn't have to be difficult, but it's not about like sitting there and going, wow, I absolutely love this. It doesn't, it's not about that. Why? <laughs> Why are you saying because, yourself up for failure if you were trying to make it enjoyable? Yeah, because you get caught, you get caught between experiences that you want or you don't want. You know, and it's part of it's part of the approach to the whole idea of spirituality. There's some places and some paths that teach, okay, so you're only supposed to be happy. Have you heard that before? No, because you've got a great teacher. But but some places they'll say you're only supposed to be happy. And so that sets people up moving away from an experience they don't want towards an experience that they do want. And they're caught in this very dualistic place where, if, where there's an experience you're not supposed to be having. The thing about meditation is that if you can just sit and allow yourself to have whatever experience is coming to you, then the enjoyment may or may not be there, but the ease comes back, right? It's e- the ease is there. You're not struggling to do anything other than just be aware. That's kind of what I meant by that. I love it. I love it. Right from the get-go. Don't even try to meditate. Don't try to enjoy meditating. What a, what a relief. Can I have a thumbs up from the guy that I can see? What a relief you don't have to try to me- enjoy meditating anymore. Absolutely. Ah. <sighs> But you do it, and you do it uh, every day, don't you? Pretty every much. Day. You pretty much meditate every day since I've known you. Every day. And um, but you've got a busy life. You've got a house to manage. You've got a job. You've got well, you've got work. Um, I don't know if you'd call it a job. Um, you've got a kid. You've got a wife. You've got you know lots to do. So how do you manage to maintain a daily practice with a busy life? It is. Yeah, I do it when I can. I don't, if I've got five minutes or 10 minutes and, and it presents itself, then I take it. If I have 20 minutes and I take it. I don't give myself any stress over the amount of time or when it happens, not at all. You know, because I'm not doing it to achieve anything. I'm just doing it because everything is simpler when I do. That's all. Beautiful. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. Um, and I've been told sometimes that, you know, with everything going on in the world, it's almost selfish to, to sit, close your eyes and find peace within yourself. And there's sometimes this link between meditation and it being selfish. Um, mm-hmm. Is meditation selfish? No, no, no. And I'm, I'm sure there's, there's, it's possible to make it selfish. <laughs> but no, it's not selfish at all because if you're not, if you're not taking some time every day to meditate, I would assert that you're not being the best version of yourself that you can be, no matter how good of a version you're living. And that comes down to things like relationships as a mother or a father or a husband or a wife, 
or a teacher, whatever it is you do in the world, like every area of life benefits from taking just that little bit of time to slow down. And so in some respects, I would say that it's completely selfless, actually, because the way you interact with the world becomes smoother when you do it. Um, And also taking, you know, looking at the events in the world, whatever that is, COVID or the war in the Ukraine or wherever it is, it, it gives you the opportunity not to get completely bogged down in the fear and the drama of it all without pushing away the reality of it, you see? Like it gives you context, it gives you perspective, and, it, and, and that's got to be a benefit. The more peaceful you are, the more free you are, the more that radiates out and touches everybody in your community and in your life because we're all connected. You know, nobody's isolated from anybody else. <clears throat> and even if your peace doesn't touch other people, which it does, your stress most definitely does. You know, and so and so the more embroiled in 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 the in the, uh, in the thinkingness and the, and the the overstress of the whole thing, we're actually adding to the issue rather than rather than not. So, no, I'd say that it's completely selfless to take some time to meditate and to walk a path of consciousness, for sure. Um, when you were talking, just at the beginning there, you said that everyone, um, well, but being the best version of yourself, you, you talked about being the best version of yourself. What I heard when you said that was it's almost selfish to not be the best version of yourself if you can be. Like, that's what hit me. I don't know if it hit, heard anyone else heard that, but. Yeah, that's super. I mean, what would you say about that, Sandy, like in terms of the benefit of meditation, especially in times like this? For me, the benefit of meditation in times like this is is what you said, like your your piece uh, resonates out. But what I would say is that it's especially in times like this that we need to be closing our eyes, being still and reconnecting with who we really are. Because what I see is a lot of these problems in the world are are man-made. And by man-made, they're mind-made. And the people I know who are not so embroiled, like you say, in their mind, tend to make different decisions. (laughs) They tend to not uh, live in fear. They tend to not choose to be in wars and things like that there just tends to be a more effortless natural upswelling of peace love compassion connection uh thoughtfulness for others and the impact of our actions on other people and children and all that sort of stuff so for me it's now more than ever yeah definitely thanks for putting me on the spot there um but i'll be asking the questions from now on thank you very much <laughs> i'm joking my show <laughs> <laughs> do what you want see ask what you want um okay i've got I, I i've got 10 questions for you and i'm working through them uh the other question i had for you was that you know these are kind of based on questions i get asked a lot and um we're often taught to let go of our thoughts uh when meditating um and how do we do that yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's it is great. I mean, it, there's some reality to it, you know, to let go of the thought. But 
the thing we really we really got to see is not so much like whether we're holding the thought or not, but why. And so it's an attraction or a repulsion thing that makes me embroiled in a certain pattern of thinking. So, I, you know, I would, to make it simple, maybe for some people, a, a more of an approach to not resisting the thoughts that they're there may be appropriate. Now, rather than thinking of the mechanics of how do I let go of an individual thought, just surrendering the resistance to the fact that the thought is there in the first place <laughs> is a big step forward. And, and for many people, it's quite, it makes it a lot um, less effortful. Surrender the resistance to the fact the thought is there in the first place. That's awesome. You know, it's not, it's not there for no, I mean, this, maybe this is getting a bit far out there for some, but it's not there for no purpose. Meditation, it's, it's wonderful if you can still your mind, but it's not about stilling the part that you think is moving. That's not where stillness exists at all. Stillness and silence don't, silence don't exist in the realm of what appears to be moving. <laughs> it exists when you're able to sink below that into the field of consciousness that's aware. That's where freedom exists. It doesn't exist in changing the nature of the thoughts or the content or the quality. It's only in discovering that which is aware of the movement. It's not rocket science. So, so anyway, playing with not, resi- not resisting the fact that the thought has already presented itself, not resisting anything that's actually already happened is a really good place to start in my experience. So you're saying that almost trying to stop your thoughts is, uh, or trying to stop your thoughts is almost a, a distraction, putting your attention somewhere where actually you're looking to find a place that already is still yeah hmm interesting i'm not sure if you messed with my next question in your previous answer but i'm going to ask it anyway and see if we get a different answer we're also taught uh to allow and accept uh when we're meditating we're often told just allow it just allow it it's just so common and people sit there going i've got to allow this you know and it's like it can be this battle of allowance um how, how how can someone be you know follow that invitation to allow and accept and etc yeah it's just i mean in some ways it's kind of semantics isn't it but it's the same thing just don't resist that which has already happened see allowing it kind of gives the ego a little bit of um of a power play in the whole thing you can only allow something once you've already seen it right? You can't allow something before it happens. And what are you, the intermediary between the, the relative and the absolute? Some thought comes in and you're like, yeah, I'll allow that one. Looking over your shoulder at the Lord, I got this, I'll allow that. It's already happened. You don't have that power. You can either resist it or not. <laughs> so I'm, it's, quite, it's cool if the semantics work, if the language works, because it's ultimately just about whatever comes into your field of awareness, don't touch it. <laughs> I love how you take a, a question and an answer and then you take it like the, the, the level below it every time. And it's, uh, it's very, very cool. Very, very, very cool. Um, you, you're, it's, it's above your pay grade to decide what to allow and what to resist. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if it's not above your pay grade, it's kind of, um, it's a fallacy and it's a little bit arrogant, isn't it? <laughs> because it's already here. Exactly. But what if the person doesn't want it to be here? Well, that's part of the battle, isn't it? That's that's where it comes down to resistance. And that's where the struggle comes in. Not just with meditation, by the way, with life. 
reality is the way it is, I don't know, roughly 100% of the time, and we either accept that or we don't. <laughs> but there's a lot of beliefs out there that say that I'm creating this, I'm creating my reality. What's your take on that kind of mindset or spiritual idea that I'm creating my reality, therefore it's my fault? Yeah, yes. And, you know, you do want to start moving towards taking that level of responsibility. But but look at really, at this point, you might want to look at what the reality is that you live in, where that reality is, because we all inhabit a world, and yet the reality we live in is not the same. So for almost all, for the world that we live in is actually here. And it's a narrative that's going on inside. And by the way, that narrative is what gives rise to the preference of what should or should not be occurring. In any given moment, whether it's a thought in your meditation or a war in the Ukraine, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a big thing for the ego to swallow. But if you want to understand what it means to surrender, you might want to entertain the possibility that just because you don't understand something doesn't mean it doesn't serve. Because you don't understand something, it doesn't mean it doesn't serve. But taking responsibility for for this part and your reaction to it and the response to it, I mean, that's what you do better than anybody else I know, Sandy. Like, that's what helps people find freedom, isn't it? What? Being able to deal with the subjective reaction to what's happening rather than directly about the thing itself. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. My job is to kind of hear how they're reacting and figure out what would be causing that reaction that's causing them suffering, stress, ill health or whatever. Mm-hmm. And if we clear that, we discover that I nothing needed to change for things to change. <laughs> you know, really awesome. All right. Uh, what would you say is the biggest myth about meditation? That's just, well, commonly I'd say that you have to stop your thoughts, that you're supposed to steal your mind. That's the biggest myth. And what do you wish you'd known about meditation 20 years ago when you first started, or 25 years ago or whatever? What do you wish you'd known uh, then? What do I wish I'd known? Boy, yeah. I mean, I had, I had pretty good teachers, you know, but maybe that every experience no matter what it was 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 okay even though i think i got that quite early on like any struggle i ever had with meditation was always because i thought the experience i was having was not supposed to be that way every experience you had with meditating was okay wow You know, I mean, you've heard it. You've taught meditation for so, so long. You know that. And all these people meditate. You all know the times when you feel like it's not working is because there's an experience that you think you shouldn't be having. <laughs> and that's true for all of us, by the way. It's, and it doesn't matter how long someone's been doing it. That's If there's a struggle, that's pretty much what it comes down to. And how can you extrapolate that to someone's life as well? Because, ah, I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it. We only have a little bit of time here together. But it's exactly the same for any situation. It doesn't mean that you have to necessarily like it. But the battle that we get caught in, we get caught in this washing machine of duality because there's what's actually happening and then there's the way we think it should be. (laughs) 
and it's and it's incredibly stressful. In fact, it's the root of all trauma. It's the root of you know what I mean. It's the root of all of our suffering. Is the belief that what's happening now should not be. And please, the reason why I didn't necessarily want to open this can of worms is that I'm not saying that it can't become a better version as you go forward. But here's the thing: if you're fighting, oh, let's do this. I don't know how this is going to go, right? Because it's coming to me now, and oftentimes this goes down the toilet but let's see where we go if you're fighting what's happening now or anything that happened in the past if you're at war with that then all of your energy is on the past and everything that you see now every thought that you're having now everything that's in your field of experience now is ever so slightly gone (laughs) it's not actually razor current And so if you're fighting what's already happened, you're battling with the past. And so your whole spiritual path, if that's what you want to call it, is focused on the past. (laughs) But if you let go of that energy into this this radical acceptance of now just as it is, you free up this literal God force of energy that you are to pour through into a brand-new reality immediately. Like you said so beautifully five minutes ago, you need change nothing for everything to change. That's so profound. It's not that you need change, nothing. Like just stop trying to change and everything changes because all of that energy that you are, all that, this quantum field of magnificence that you are, all of a sudden is no longer focused on that which is already gone. And it can be a matter of seconds or, in, you know, like one of my favorite patterns that I, that I just romanced with for so many years is guilt. I spent all of my energy looking back trying to make the past better, trying, and it was literally killing me. So anyway, I don't know where we started, but there you go. <laughs> where, where we were at some point was this invitation to align with the reality. Align with reality. Like that's what I'm hearing from you today. Align with what is, even if you don't like it. Align with it first. Align with it now. Absolutely. I mean, to me, the first step towards any real change or any real healing, to use that word if that even fits, is to 100% just for one moment surrender to right now, this is the way it is. And how does one do that without suffering? You've got to see the resistance because suffering doesn't lie in the experience. It lies in the resistance to the experience. That's why we suffer because we're trying to change something over which we have no control. So let me just repeat that. Suffering does not lie in, in the what? In the experience. It lies in the resistance to the experience. We could spend the whole hour just meditating on that. <laughs> just that, that one statement. I want to make sure everyone heard that where there's now, or maybe I'm going to use this for a podcast in the future, whatever. It's not in what's happening, but it's our relationship with what's happening. It's our, it's our resistance to what's happening. That's actually causing our internal struggle and suffering. Even if everyone on the whole planet would agree what's happening right now, you should be suffering. It's, it's, it's horrible. Wow. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make light of those circumstances. That's why I, I said I kind of hesitated a little bit to bring this up. But, but if you look, if you really look, you'll see, the, you'll see it for yourself in your own relationship 
to the way you interact with your life. You'll see it. And when you see that, it is so empowering. It's not disempowering at all. Because the way the mind will hear it is that it's a very disempowered place to be. Or just take it then because it's what's happening. That's not it. It frees you up to be a window to something amazing. And immediately, immediately it does that. But, you know, everything, everything, everything in this moment of your life, everything, no matter what it is, in some way you signed up for this. And if that is a hard meditation pill to swallow or a spiritual pill to swallow um, when in relating, relating it to certain things in your life, because you might at this point be thinking of the worst things in your life that you have to try to um, be willing to uh, welcome or at least experience. Um, a great playground for this is meditation. That's, that's why meditation is so profound and powerful because you get to sit down for five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever, and play with welcoming the reality of that meditation. And that's for me why I love meditation. The skills that you develop and hone in meditation naturally just move out into your life. You don't even almost have to try to welcome reality at 3 p.m. today or whatever it is. You actually, you're, you're embodying like an ability a new habit, a new relationship with, with reality, but you do it through the window of meditation. Does that make sense? Does that work for you? Would you, would you thumbs up? Okay. For those listening to the audio, thumbs up from Narayan. All right. So uh, to, to finish off my line of questioning that I'm aware of right now, I've got one question that's got three parts. So it's kind of cheating because it's kind of three more questions. And uh, we'll see how what comes through you with this. What is spirituality? It's the ability to live your life with a conscious awareness of of, engage, of engaging it. You know, it's it's this journey of self discovery of discovering who you are really, who you are in all of this. What is consciousness? It's the part that's aware. Or it's the it's the field out of which awareness arises. Actually, that's that's. I'm glad that you said that because I, my sense is there's more to consciousness than the bit that's aware. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I mean, it's again, it's words, isn't it? And it's it, it, but the fact of the fact of the matter is, it's consciousness is the field out of which awareness arises. Yeah, and meditation allows you to discover the awareness, the consciousness in which awareness arises. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it does. Great. It does. Awesome. Um, what is consciousness? Or did I already ask you that? I think you already asked I that. think I already asked you that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if you didn't, I already answered it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. I did. I already asked that. Um, and it's probably linked to your, your first answer to part ten, question 10, part one. Um what is awakening? Because it's a term that's thrown around a lot these days. What, what awakening? Um, and it's almost getting diffused a little bit because it's getting so many versions of it. So, what to you is awakening? It's 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 this it's you see the belief that you're a product of the thoughts and the feelings that run through your body. While they are beautiful and they're a massive part of being alive, the belief that you are a product of those is being fast asleep. 
because and and the fact that you're a product of the things that happen in the world is also being fast asleep and why do you know that's true because it allows you to be a victim to those things you know and so and so awakening is is waking up to a different kind of ex- experience of of you so it's not a point it's not like a single point that you get to and then there's a there's an, a moment where you're awake it can play out like that but it's it's the the recognition that if if that's if that's not me then who am i i'm aware I'm, if these thoughts who's aware of the thoughts who am i in all of this and so as a mental questioning it doesn't really do very much but as an experiential kind of widening of your attention into a greater level of reality you start to recognize that that you were never that actually like if I understand why they use the, the sleeping and waking analogy so much, but you're right, it's being diffused. And part of it is that if you're going to teach consciousness, then you have to start with the, you don't have to, but a lot of people decide to start with the um, assumption that they're awake. Because if I'm going to teach you about awakening, rather it's better that I just assume that and actually get into that state. And so it becomes a little bit diluted <laughs> as it filters down. But the fact of the matter is, is that, it's nothing to do with with the personality that you think you need to improve because the ego is always on a journey or the the, the individual self or the you the you that you know yourself to be is always on a journey of improving you know and it's not a bad thing but we're always accumulating and adding to ourselves to become better and so it's very linear do you see like it's based on on achievement and it's very linear in terms of time but the awareness that's holding it all the love that's holding it all is an immediate experience. It isn't linear at all. It doesn't mean that you'll pop into enlightenment. In fact, I'd, I'd recommend you forget all about enlightenment and just like play with discovering like the container of all of this experience of your life is your own awareness. What is that? Who are you in that? Because you may discover that if, you know, there's a belief that maybe the person that was asleep and the person that's awake are two different people. But in reality, that's not the case. The one that's asleep, the one that appears to be asleep, and the one that appears to be awake is actually the same one. And that's awareness. It's an illusion that you were ever fast asleep. The recognition actually comes that you never were. It never happened. Not in an airy-fairy, mystical kind of New Age way. I mean like in a practical this is this is what's real way. So anyway, the journey of to me, the journey of awakening is very much discovering in in essence who you are. That's all. Beautiful. Thank you. I felt my my experience is kind of popped there somewhere. I don't know what, what you did or said, but it changed something within me. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um We're going to bring this this little interview to a close, this little chit chat to a close, and we're going to open up to the guys that are watching live with us or with us live, should I say? Uh, so get your questions ready. Let's not have an awkward silence when I come over to you guys in a moment. Oh, we can have silence, but just let's not make it awkward. Um, <laughs> what would you say to someone who is considering starting meditating? 
Um, you mean in terms of how to do it? No, just like I'm, I'm trying to have a question for someone right at the beginning who's watching this and uh, might consider starting a meditation practice. What, what advice would you give to them? Don't, don't be daunted or off put by it. <clears throat> you don't need to do anything so formal either. You, you know, just take some time, five minutes, a couple of times a day, and just sit and breathe and be aware of the fact that you're breathing. You know, take deep breaths and let yourself just sink into yourself for a little while. But see, if you know why you're doing it, and this the man running this interview, Sandy, if you if you have access to him, talk to him about this. Because if you know why you're doing it, then how you do it becomes secondary <laughs> in a way. <clears throat> but yeah, it's not a, it need not be a complicated, difficult thing. It's a very, very simple thing. And anybody can do it. So, so there's no reason that, and you will see the thoughts that come up of all the reasons why you can't do it. Um, but in, but in, just give it a go and you'll see that they're not true. Anyone can do it. And you will receive the benefits and they'll be immediate and they will be ongoing. You know, it's worth it. And if someone's listening to this and they already are meditating, what little game could you give them or something to play with to it's going to enrich in their, their practice? yeah i mean play with maybe because we talked about it in the beginning play with that seeing where you resist anything that's coming like the thoughts or whatever or the feelings anything that's coming into your experience because you think you're supposed to be having a different kind of experience you see just play with the idea that everything is coming into your awareness because the biggest part of you knows that's what's supposed to be there beautiful well thank you very much narayan Yeah, thank you too. Thank you.